your news, your entertainment, your business. We're on a mission from God. This is the Rich Rossman Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, the Rich Rothman Show. It's uh, just about 5 o'clock straight up, which means you're, uh, well, it's Miami. You left your office an hour ago. But you're on your car, in your car right now on I-95. And if you are, take the express lanes. We've been telling you that every night. It's worth the two bucks. I can tell you, you'll get to the Golden Glades in seven minutes. Let the other guys, the pedestrians, take the other side. Stay away from all that craziness. If you're on US 1, don't bother. Go to Coconut Grove. Get yourself a drink. Go home later. Anyway, welcome to the show. We're going to have a good time today. We have a lot happening today, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, number one, at 5.05, please, God, uh, we're going to have Representative Maxine Waters calling in. Uh, from Washington, uh, Maxine Waters yesterday, Congressman Woman Waters, did a very wonderful thing, and she took on uh, those wonderful folks, the CEOs who took our money, the billions of dollars, and then said, I don't know where it went. Well, it went someplace. Well, who knows where it went? I'll, I'll look into that for you. Sort of like Geisner yesterday, answering the questions, well, how much money is it going to cost? I don't know. Uh, well, it's right out of born identity. I don't know. But um, Maxine Waters took on the CEOs and demanded some questions from them and some answers regarding uh, interest rates. Now, you know if you've been following the show for weeks and months, I've been extremely upset as to what the, uh, the credit card companies have been doing across the board. And it doesn't matter if you have an 800 FICO score. I have a very high FICO score, and I've had credit lines reduced. And the reason they gave me, let me think, is because I don't use it. They decided to take it away from me, including Citibank took it away from me. They lowered it. said, well, you don't need it. You don't want it. My wife lost a credit card because she hasn't used it in a year. Now, you would say, it doesn't matter. You don't use that credit. And you're right. If someone gave me $20,000 in credit, I'm not using $20,000 in credit. But I am going to use 5000 6000 7000 But they lowered it. And by lowering it, guess what they did to me? Let me think. They ruined my FICO score. They lowered my FICO score by doing that. Because my ratios, you know that stuff they talk about. You can't use, here's your credit card, here's $15,000. You better not use it because if you do use it, it's going to go against you. By the way, if you want to check out if it's going against you and you want to go on the credit line and check out, you know, Experian and TransUnion and all those other guys, that's going to cost you points. So, hey, hey, welcome to the Joseph Warbaugh novel, Catch-22. So we're going to have Maxine Waters here later today, Congresswoman Waters. I'm really excited. I'm sending her a super... Uh, Superwoman uh, costume. She is the only. She was out there. She was fighting for us, and I almost, I just was rewarded yesterday. I felt great about it. So that's that. And uh, following that, we're going to have Matt Bradbart calling in, and we're going to do a quick hit of commodities. Following that, we have Peter Cohan coming in from Massachusetts. It's warmer here. He wants to be here anyway. So uh, he's going to be talking a little bit about uh, the TARP and where it's going and the stimulus and the banks and what we really should be doing. Uh, then following that, in the remaining almost uh, 25 minutes of the show, we have uh, Brian Dean. We all know Brian, of course, from uh, you know uh, Gateway, uh, Florida. And uh, I've known Brian for many, many years. Terrific wife. His uh, beautiful wife, uh, Wendy, is here. And then we have uh, Dr. DeRocher uh, from University of Miami, Leslie Chambers, Executive Vice President of Field Operations and Chapter Development. And I want you all to say that as fast as I did. And Lula Fulgosa, whom I have known for 15 years at least, uh, is the Executive Director of Miami-Dade County Chapter of Autism Speaks. And both Leslie Chambers, of course, the Executive Vice President of Field Operations for Autism Speaks, and Lula Fulgosa, the Executive Director for the Miami Dade County Chapter. So we welcome all these people. I have a lot of people in this place, and if I don't do well, I'm in trouble because they're going to hit me. So I just, and I'm outnumbered. And being Jewish, I don't fight that great. Okay, so having said all of that, having said all of that, 
Um, uh, we're, we're, let me just set this up for a second and explain. Yesterday on Hill, uh, the Congressional Committee for Finance was, was uh, talking to the, uh, the uh, over there, the eight CEOs of uh, major banks in the, in the United States, uh, Bank of America one, Wells Fargo was another one. And I have to tell you, I, I, I almost fell out of my car listening. I caught the tail end of it. And it was Maxine Waters, uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, 35th District, Los Angeles. By the way, she got an 80% vote in November 2008. 80% of her constituents think she's doing a great job and they voted for her. This person went out of her way and absolutely hit these guys with some pretty tough questions. Because you know what, folks? She went after the actions that are affecting, I know, thousands of you right now. Because we've had the phone calls on the show. We've had person's credit ruined for no reason. Great FICO scores, good positions, not a problem, never missed a payment. And you know what? It went down the tubes because, well, I don't know why it went down the tubes. They didn't know on Congress yet on the Hill yesterday either. They were wondering what's going on. They didn't know what fees they were charging. Of course, the CEO of Bank of America said, hey, you got a problem, tell them to call me. Now, if that's not pandering, I don't know what is. What are you going to do, 100 CEO Bank of America, and that's who you're going to get through? I don't think that's going to happen. But... Congresswoman Waters sat there, she could have stood there for all that matter, and she wouldn't back down. She demanded answers from these people. She made them raise hands, and, and she, and, and, well, in a sense, I guess she humiliated them. She made her point. The point is, you're probably better off dealing with the mafia, because at least you know what you're getting with the mafia, you know? And, and an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, that's the way it goes. But these are people who have taken billions of dollars from uh, Congresswoman uh, Waters' constituents, and from my pocket and Brian Dean's pocket as well, and Brian's upset with that. All right, and what do we have? No answers. They don't know what's going on. They have the audacity to say, "Well, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I don't understand what you're what fees you're talking about." And and and, uh, and and Congresswoman Waters sat there, didn't back down, and demanded answers. And I got to tell you, I am proud of that. I am just terrifically proud of that. So we're going to come. Is she on the phone yet? We have a break. A break right now? Oh, we don't have time for a break right now. I wanted her on. But we're going to have to take a break. Tell them I don't want to break right now. I don't, I don't want to break right now. I want to go right. We're going to make up the break some other time. I would like to welcome uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Welcome to the Rich Rothman Show. Well, thank you so much for calling and having me on. And I was just on the line listening to your introduction. And I want to thank you uh, for what you just said about uh, uh, having appreciation for the way that I attempted to get that information out of those bankers yesterday. Well, you know, I, I, I listened to it uh, late last night when I, when I got home and, and listened to it again this morning. And I have to tell you, we have had hundreds, if not thousands of people tell us down here they've been hurt by these banks. They've been hurt in the sense that they, they never miss a payment. They've, they've lost credit lines. They've uh, they've had credit cards uh, canceled because they didn't use them, uh, and they've had and their FICO scores or their Beacon scores have been really hurt dramatically by these folks, and they don't know why. And yet it's their money that went to these folks Absolutely. to save the banks. And that was the point yesterday, you know, saying to them, "You are using the people's money, the pe the taxpayers of America are allowing you to use their money." to bail you out of the mismanagement and the problems that you have created that's led to this economic crisis that we're in. And so, having done that, these people are coming back to the banks and saying, I'd like to borrow money uh, to purchase an automobile. I'd like to borrow money uh, to have a mortgage for a home. And you're turning them down. You're turning down 
the very people who have allowed you to use their money to bail you out. And not only are you turning them down, but those people who have been good customers, who have credit cards, who had interest rates that they thought they could rely on, are now being sent letters saying that, oh, by the way, we're going to increase your interest rate on your credit card. We're going to reduce the amount of credit that you have. You don't have a $10,000 line of credit anymore. We're going to cut that in half. This is outrageous, and I did ask them to raise their hand if any of them had sent out letters doing this kind of thing, and they did raise their hands because we know it's true. So many people have called you and me and others saying, why are they doing this to me? I've been a good customer. I've always paid my bill. I've got a great FICO score. Why are they increasing my rate? And, by the way, I didn't know they could do that. And I said, yes, it's the fine print. It's in the fine print that they can arbitrarily uh, increase your interest rates, and most people don't know that. Well, you know, and, and, and you're so on target, and, and I have to applaud you for standing your ground and doing that. I must tell you, there were a lot of people cheering you in Miami yesterday. Uh, and when I and indicated to some folks here that we were going to have you on the show, they were overjoyed. But you know what I find amazing, uh, Congresswoman Waters, that here we're in the worst economic condition since, I guess, my, my, my parents were children. And, um, and you would think, rather than uh, taking a credit line from 9, 10, 11, 12% and taking it to 28 to 30%, or reducing credit lines and reducing credit scores, which, by the way, if you check your credit score, you lose points on that, too. That's a little weird. But uh, that infringes upon the ability for your constituents to turn around and go out and purchase products that they need, not frivolous things. How about food? How about, you know, how about products that they need for their children to go Absolutely. to school? And they can't do that. They can't do it. No, so they can't do that it. that hurts everybody. In, in fact, it ultimately hurt the bank, don't you think? Well, I would think so because, uh, you know, to arbitrarily start raising the interest rates where people could say, okay, I'm going to give up this card. I just refuse to do that. That means they're going to lose money. Uh, the other thing is they have encouraged people to use these credit cards for everything. Uh, they have said, okay, it will give you points if you use your credit card to buy your groceries with, if you use your credit card to buy clothing and shoes, or what have you. They have kept urging and encouraging the expanded use of these credit cards, and all of a sudden they're going to increase these interest rates and put you in jeopardy of being able uh, to use the credit card for many of the things that you've gotten used to using it for. And I just think it's unfair. And it's particularly unfair after we loan them that money, after we allowed the taxpayers' money uh, to be given to them uh, to bail them out of trouble, then they would turn around and treat the American taxpayer that way. It's not right. So where do we go from here? What are you, what are you going to hope to do? I know you're, well, you're a fighter. We're hope to do. We're waiting for the president's plan to come down for these uh, use of the second half of the $700 billion TARP program. The $350 billion now is headed by the president. He sent his secretary out, uh, Secretary of the Treasury, to say that they would have guidelines and details within a matter of days. We anxiously await them. They've got to be tight. They've got to be tough. And we're going to weigh in on it. And if they're not tough enough, we're going to say so. We're going to publicly say so. And we're going to go after the president and ask him to make it tougher for these banks to be able to use this money. We've got to make sure that they're paying the right amount of interest 
on the money that we're loaning them. As a matter of fact, these banks have been getting very cheap money, and the spread between what they get their money for and what they're charging people is too big. It's too hot. Well, that's exactly. I find that to be. You're so correct. And here you had the. Uh, I think it was the gentleman from was it Chase or Bank of America who said that. Well, you know, we haven't raised our rates for a few years, but money's become more expensive. Excuse me. Excuse me. I think it's the other way around, Representative. They're getting money from zero to two percent. Exactly. And so they should be reducing not only the interest rate on credit cards, but on these home mortgages. People should be paying more than 4 or 4.5% interest rates. We're running into people coming in for loan modifications who have 10.5 interest rates where they just bought this house over a year ago. That's predatory lending. Exactly. Reduced down to something that's reasonable. Exactly. And you know what? And I know coming from you, that's gonna you're gonna you're gonna fight for that. I'm gonna fight for it. We're gonna really go to the mat on this one. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I want you to know, I know you're busy, and I and I promise, Michael, you'd have about ten minutes, and you got to go. But thank you again. It's it was no the last minute. You are terrific, and we're gonna be sending you a superwoman uh, costume. <laughs> thank you, and you keep up the good work. So thank you, thank you, Congressman okay. Waters. God bless. Thank you so much. All right. Good All right. Bye bye. Well. That was exciting, and I'm very glad. I have to tell you, I, I saw that on the news and I, I on last night, and I heard it this morning, and I couldn't believe my ears. I said, you know what? And I didn't know who it was at first. I just did not know who it was at first. I only caught the tail end. I did not get the sound bite in the front. And, and, it, and it turned out to be uh, Representative Waters. And I said, wow. We got on the phone. We got with their chief of staff, which you're, you guys are familiar from Washington, that. And it happened in an hour. We got, got her on, and I was just overjoyed. We want to thank very much uh, Michael, uh, chief of staff for Mac, uh, Congressman, uh, Congresswoman uh, Maxine Waters. And we want to thank uh, Congresswoman Waters uh, for being on the, uh, on the Rich Rothman Show. And uh, we're going to watch out. We're going to be supporters of Maxine Waters right now. I've got to tell you that. It's going to happen. Uh, we, did we get Matt? Did Matt call in yet or Peter yet? Okay, they didn't call in yet. Let me, uh, aha, we're going to find out who that is. Uh, just a, a quickie before we get going on that, in case you're wondering if you have any money left, not much. Uh, the Dow, by the way, is only down about 6.7 today, 6.77, which is nothing compared to where it was earlier in the day because I was out there seeing how much cash I had in my car. Uh, the NASDAQ uh, was up 11.21, and the uh, S&P um, finished at a, oh, about a break-even, about 45. Uh, Matt Bradbard, how are you, Matt? Fantastic. You? I am doing great. What happened in the commodities today? And boy, do I have a question for you, but what happened in commodities today? Well, gold and silver continue to go up. We haven't got that break I was looking for, so I've lightened up on the trade, but it's just a runaway freight train. It's relentless. Gold and silver continue to move high. We have some light exposure there. Sugar's coming back. Uh, did I mention the pigs last week? Lean hogs. We're making some money in lean hogs. I noticed that that was the only thing that was really doing well in the livestock. Am I, am yeah. I missing? Am I right on that? You got me looking at this stuff right now. Yeah, I I, uh, I got some guys down on the floor that do my cattle for my customers. But this hog trade, I, I think lean hogs have put. I'm going to go out on a limb, Rich, and say if we have not put in the lowest price for 2009, we're damn close, and we're buying lean hogs, looking for them to appreciate from here. Well, and, and you know what? The Chinese will love you for that because we all know they're buying 53% of everything that's out there right now when it comes to hogs. There's a lot of pork in China. I want you to be aware of that, you folks. I've been to Beijing, saw a lot of it. Uh, unfortunately, of course, you saw the Mandarin Oriental burned up, well, before it even opened. So that's kind of exciting in, in Beijing. Let me ask you a quick question, uh, Matt, and, and we're on a really truncated point today because I had Maxine Waters on the show uh, out of Washington talking about uh, the banking industry and the... Uh, 
Uh, let me think the word. Oh, you just used the word before. Hogs. That's right. The uh, the hogs. That's right. They're hogs who are using usurious rates. I'd rather work. You know what I found out re uh, recently? Chas Palminteri wants to play the CEO of Bank of America. And I think that's terrific. In the movie, uh, Hogs, uh, Money's Made for Me. Um, let me ask you, why if oil is coming down, which is at about 33, now they're saying, by the way, there's going to be a plateau of about 30. That was on, 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 the, on the wires. If Who you said that? that? MB Wealth. I think MB Wealth said that two weeks ago. Who said that? Because Matt Bradbard knows. That's why. You people better remember that. MBWealth.com. But, Matt, if, if, if oil is going to be down to 30, today it's 33 in a fraction. And, but why, is, why do we have the spread? And we had some growth, and it came back a couple of cents today on uh, reformulated gasoline. Why is gasoline so expensive? Kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's not so. Gas is a buy. We're starting to buy gasoline for our customers, but if you're looking at from a refinery, the utilization hasn't gone up. The refinery utilization is in the low 80s, and it just isn't beneficial for them to be, you know, making the heating oil and gasoline from crude with these margins. So, so, so are we buying gas? Are you buying? Are you buying gasoline? Are you telling me you're buying gasoline? Are you buying gasoline? I'm buying gasoline future. That's the bottom line. We're buying out to June, so. Well, you know it's going to be higher in June, aren't you? I hope so. Well, you know so. I mean, come on, they always do that. They find a Hey, it's warm outside. It's warm. The refineries, you know, in the refineries, it gets warm. They have breakdowns. Of course, it's not broken now, but it will be in a few months from now. We're going to raise the rates. You know that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any zero exposure in crude oil. We have started to buy gasoline for customers, and we own natural gas for customers. Natural gas is our favorite play in the energy sector. Natural gas is the future, don't you think? Boone Pickens says so. I know. I would, he's coming to town, you know, by the way. You're going to be at Nova University, I think, the 22nd of February, along with uh, Mike Jackson from AutoNation. The two of them are going to talk, and it's going to be interesting. You should be there, by the way. When anyway. February 22nd. Yeah, I'll send you an email on okay. that. All right, we'll talk about that. Listen, Matt, let's give your number out right now. The bottom line is, you know, you're going to play the stock market? I don't know. I'm heavily invested in the stock market. I'm so happy. But then there are other things, and there are some great articles that came out that the commodities are really pushing right now. A lot of people are switching and adding and doing and adjusting and trying to account for reality of, of investment right now. And commodities are a very significant part of that game right now. So, um, Matt, what's your phone number? 954 929 9997. 954-say-it-again. 929-9997. Okay, because most people phase out the first time you say it anyway. And and the question is, if you're not in commodities, then I have to say, why aren't you doing some of that? You don't have to put 100% of your, you don't put 100% of anything in anything anymore. You know that? But if you're, if you're not playing, if you're not at least talking to Matt and talking about the things that he's been doing, because we've been tracking that now for almost half a year, and i got to tell you, this guy is, he's good, he's sharp, he's a great sense of humor, he's also pretty tall, so don't mess with him. But uh, uh, he knows what's going on, and I think you should really talk to him. Give the number again, Matt, and then i got to say goodbye. Yeah, no worries. 954-929-9997. Okay, there you have it. Or you can go to mbwealth.com. Matt has a newsletter he puts out on a weekly basis. Uh, I yeah, think check you're gonna... out the newsletter, yeah. blog... A lot of things happening. A lot of things happening. World of commodities. I'm telling you, if I listen to this guy, I've been following Coco since he said it. Coco's up like 2,000%. Silver and sugar. Silver and sugar. People get depressed, they eat chocolate. They eat chocolate. 
You know, they go for the cocoa. He told me this ages ago. And what did I do? Nothing. I didn't buy in. Big mistake. Big mistake. Silver's another one. He's big on silver. Brown sugar. There you have it. Spoken truth from Wanda. All right, Matt. I got to go. Take care. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. All right, welcome back to the show. It's uh, about 20 minutes after the hour. If uh, those of you are wondering what happened to the commercials, I killed them. I took a shot, and I just decided not to play them. We'll get back to them at the bottom of the hour. But I wanted to get that, that piece in about Maxine Waters. Um, while we're talking, we're waiting for Peter. Is Peter. Oh, Peter's on the phone right now. All right, Peter Cohen, how are you, man? I'm great. How are you? Well, I, I'm kind of jazzed up today, Peter. Okay, why? Well, because I was I was watching Maxine, you know, Congresswoman Maxine Waters uh, go after the CEOs at the banks uh, yesterday at the okay. Finance Committee hearings, yes. just to humiliate them a little bit. Because you know what, they're lousy. I mean, they take you know that. Come on, they take our money. There's no transparency, Peter, and they they're raising interest rates on kids and folks with credit cards. You know what I like the most? My sons in high school, they offered him a credit card because he turned 18. Really. Yeah, really. Do you think I actually gave that letter to my son? I don't think so. Do you think I'm going to give the other letter I get, like every third month, to my other son up in Chicago getting his master's degree for a credit card? I don't don't think so. No, I, 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 no, I don't like these guys. They're, I, I would rather deal with the mob. At least I know what I'm getting, and they dress well. So you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I know what I'm getting. Peter, tell me what's going on. You sent out a blog today. Let's talk about it. Okay. Well, um, I have a kind of a controversial idea. Mm-hmm. Which is that um, tax cuts uh, don't stimulate the economy. How about that? That that's controversial because a lot of people disagree with you. I know, um, but I was looking at some numbers, and it turns out that um, when you had the in, in the month that people got the uh, the stimulus check um, last year, uh, it was like 110, 100 whatever billion dollar stimulus check. They saved it. When um, Microsoft issued a big dividend back in 2004, they saved it. Um, every time uh, we've had a big uh, tax cut, people save the money and, and don't spend it. And that's particularly true when the economy is in a down period uh, because people feel that you know this is sort of found money. It's not coming back, uh, and they need to save it because they don't know uh, where their next paycheck is going to come from. So if the purpose of the tax cut is to stimulate ec- uh, economic activity, the savings rate numbers suggest that the savings rates actually go up when they when people get tax cuts and when they get big uh, checks um, from different sources, particularly when the economy is doing well. The key thing is that if they think that the money is going to keep coming, then they will spend. But if they think it's just a one-shot thing, then they will they will save it. So that's just a, an interesting uh, data point, and you don't have often you don't, when you talk about these things, people get very emotional, and there's not much data involved. But um, in this case, uh, I just found it very interesting that you know the, the savings rate would go up to like three three point five percent, and in two thousand seven, the savings rate was minus point seven percent. It was actually a negative savings rate. Um, but when you when you had these one time events like a, a tax cut or a or a stimulus check, people actually save the money. Well, that is different, isn't it? And 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 I think it would be a really good good uh, banter to to discuss whether tax breaks, tax cuts really stimulate the economy. See, I, I'm a, I'm a, obviously, which is good. We like this. I kind of disagree a little bit with that. No, but, a lot of people disagree with it. I, I know, but but you're that type yeah. of a guy, Peter. You're tough and. You know, it's cold up there, so you get feisty. But yeah. let, me, let me, there's another piece that you put about uh, yeah. Tim Geithner. Yes, oh, that, yeah, that's something maybe we can agree on. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> so I, have you had a good response to that one? Uh, I've had all sorts of people um, coming up with suggestions for other people besides Tim Geithner for the job. Uh, I've had a number of email exchanges with people who are thinking about who else could we, who else could we put into that job. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's very few people. Uh, there's nobody who, who's um, read that and said, I, I, I think Geithner is fantastic. How could you have, how could you have said that? Uh, I think uh, he did himself a huge disservice. Well, yeah, it didn't come across well. And, and your point of your, of your uh, statement you know, at 10.30 uh, yesterday, uh, was that you, you think he should really either be kept inside and let somebody else do the speaking. You said Obama, President Obama, should be doing the speaking for him since, one, he can capture an audience, and Geithner looked like, well, he's like 11 years old. But other than that, I know he's smart. I, you know, Just because you're well-educated doesn't mean you can speak well. I mean, that's the truth. You know, yeah, he, does, he does have this sort of, he has two things that are going against him. Um, the first one is uh, a more harder thing to fix. Which is that um, he looks when he's looking at the camera, he looks like he's scared. Yeah, he did. He look. He looks. He looks scared. He looks, he looks scared. And you know, a Treasury Secretary, a government official at that level, I think has to project a lot of, of confidence. Um, and so, if you if you kind of look scared, it makes other people scared. That's number one. I think his way of talking is is not. He, he's got to learn how to talk. That's the first thing. The second thing is that the ideas that he was talking about were either bad or neutral, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of fixing the problem. And I think there's a lot of people who felt that he just kind of threw out some half-baked ideas for some reason, and I don't know why he thought that was a good thing to do. I mean, I don't see why, you know, if you're not ready to announce your plan, you wait until you are ready to announce the plan, and you can defend it, and it makes sense, and it's cogent, and then you go out and, and make your case. I mean, why, why make a half-baked case? Yeah, uh, you, that kind of a situation. you're right, you're right. You, you would never want to go out. You have one shot to make your case because that's all people are going to remember. So what are going to people remember right now? Basically, it, it's sort of like what my kids used to say, you know, so how much money do you think this is going to cost us? And my kids would say, I don't know. You know, what did you do your homework? I don't know. I mean, that didn't sound good to me. I mean, it didn't give me, let's just say, it didn't give me a comfy feel. You know what I'm talking about? It didn't give me a warm fuzzy that there's somebody up and watching who's really watching out for me and knows what's going on. I didn't like that. You know, and obviously the market didn't like that either. Well, uh, the the interesting thing was that I was I was watching CNBC today, and uh, there was this guy who came on and said that Goldman Sachs had a, a meeting right yes. after the Geithner speech. Yeah, I don't know if you saw about that. Yeah, I did. It was it was all over the uh, the wires again today. And uh, you know that kind of that kind of uh, was an interesting leak. Um, it definitely suggested that. They're not too happy with with Geithner, and they're kind of worried about what to do, uh, whether they should do something about it. Uh, and you know, it's interesting because it seems to me that they have worked with Geithner before. I mean, it's not like he's a stranger to people in New York. I mean, he was the head of the New, New York Fed. Oh, listen, the guy is smart as a whip. There's no question about that. He just, you know, maybe just not used to doing that stuff. Well, you know, he's maybe he's just not a good public face. I mean, I, the other thing that was interesting that came out today was this whole Paul Volcker suggestion that uh, maybe Paul Volcker should get more involved. I, you know, I was thinking that uh, for my initial thought was put Larry Summers in as Treasury Secretary. He was Treasury Secretary before. He's very confident of himself. Um, you know, I, I think he's a little bit arrogant, but um, I think it's better to be uh, confident and know what you're talking about in a situation like this uh, and maybe be over 
overly confident rather than the, than the opposite, which is what you've got with Geithner. And, you know, he's already sort of in the administration. He was already Treasury Secretary. The other thing that, that occurred to me, um, and one of the people who saw my blog, and, and we had a couple back and forth about different ideas, was uh, Paul Volcker, um, who I think uh, has the big disadvantage of being probably, uh, frankly, too old. Uh, to be able to do the job and have the energy and the stamina to do the job, but otherwise would be very good because he's just very seasoned, very credible, uh, you know, very he, he brave. He just can't button his, his sport coat. I keep noticing that when he's yeah, about to well, take a he, picture. He just, he, Paul Volcker gets up there and he just doesn't know what to do with his stomach. He needs to work on that. Uh, he should come to Florida. We, we can deal with that down here. Yeah, I, there's, there's a, a friend of mine who's, um, who's an Iron Man, and I, I was suggesting to this uh, friend of mine this this uh, Iron Man's um, husband um, I'm sorry yeah the, the Iron Man's husband um, could train Volker and get him in shape so he could do the job that was hey the, you know this is the 21st century man it doesn't matter how old you are it's how old yeah, you think you are exactly hey, these guys are animals anyway they've been in this for a long long time yeah. they have a different spirit than you and I man you know they're just they're out there they're doing their thing yeah. he, he needs to lose 30 pounds anyway um, we gotta go I gotta take a break. It's been great having you, Peter, on the show again. I'll talk to you next week. Have a nice day. All right, take care. Peter Cohan. We're gonna be right back with uh, Brian Dean and a lot of people here. And I'm gonna get real serious. We're gonna be talking about autism. Don't go anywhere. This is Rich Rothman. We're on 880 The Biz. We'll be right back on the show. Don't go anywhere. The J. Molina International Trade Consortium, or the ITC, promotes Miami-Dade County as a global gateway by enhancing international relations, cultural understanding, and international trade. Every year, the ITC leads two business development missions to countries that have the potential to increase trade with our community through Miami International Airport or the Port of Miami. The ITC is the official county agency charged with the development of this trade and functions as an umbrella organization or clearinghouse for other trade development efforts within the county. Our vision is to promote and strengthen Miami-Dade County's excellent business climate, strong international financial services, and rich cultural diversity, making it the logical platform for trade with Latin America and the Caribbean. For more information about the J. Molina International Trade Consortium, go to MiamiDade.gov slash ITC or call us at 305-375-5808. It might be as simple as a water heater that bursts and floods your home. It could be as devastating as a fire that destroys your home. Either way, you need someone to represent you to make sure you get the maximum compensation from your insurance company. You need someone who knows how to prepare claims accurately. You need someone who can help you get a prompt and equitable settlement. You need East Coast Public Adjusters, one of the largest and most dependable firms in the insurance industry. East Coast Public Adjusters will be there for you every step of the way, from the initial evaluation and throughout the preparation of your claim. Sometimes people settle claims with their insurance company, only to realize they're entitled to much more. East Coast Public Adjusters will help you reopen your claim and try to get you the money you need. If you've suffered damage to your home from flood, fire, lightning, wind or smoke damage, or even theft, you need East Coast Public Adjusters. Call East Coast Public Adjusters today, 305-441-0882, 305-441-0882, or on the web at eastcoastadjusters.com.
Should commodities be part of your investment portfolio in 2009? What might be the performance for commodities in 2009? Where are the energy prices going? Is the bearish trend coming to an end in the U.S. dollar? Should I own gold or silver? Will the cost of food go up or down? If these questions are important to your investment strategy, then you should be talking to MB Wealth, a full-service commodity brokerage, to find out how MB Wealth is positioning its clients to take advantage of commodities over the next few months and quarters. Let MB Wealth help you at the retail level or advise you on a partial asset allocation with a commodity trading advisor with an established track record. In this volatile economy, it is more important than ever to have a diversified portfolio. Find out more on commodity investment specifics by calling MB Wealth at 954-929-9997 or log on to our website at www.mbwealth.com. While you're there, check out MB Wealth's weekly commodity commentary plus monthly research articles, tools that can help with your investment decisions. Call Matt Bradbart, President MB Wealth, at 954 929 9997 for all the details. MB Wealth, a full service commodity firm. Risk of loss in trading commodity futures and options can be substantial. All funds committed should be purely risk capital. Past performance is no guarantee of future trading results. Seaboard Marine is an ocean transportation company that provides direct regular service between the United States and the Caribbean Basin, Central and South America. Seaboard Marine's success in the region for nearly 25 years has enabled it to expand into new markets, now serving nearly 40 ports in over 20 countries. Seaboard Marine's facilities include a private terminal of nearly 70 acres at the Port of Miami. Seaboard Marine carries more cargo to and from the Port of Miami than any other carrier. Although this facility complies with and exceeds all governmental security mandates, it operates seven days a week, 365 days a year, a unique convenience for its customers. Seaboard Marine serves these routes from Miami, Bahamas, Grand Cayman, Colombia, Dominican Republic, Eastern Caribbean, Haiti, Jamaica, North Central America, South Central America, Venezuela, and the West Coast of South America, including Peru, Chile, Bolivia. Seaboard Marine, a trade leader in the Western Hemisphere. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Robbins. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL, customer service is back in shipping. From Atlantic Radio Network. Just a bit outside. This is the Rich Rothman Show. 880 AM. The Biz. We're all business. Welcome back to the Rich Rothman Show. 34 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you here. Uh, right here on 880 The Biz. We're in the studio right now with, uh, and really quick, Brian Dean, Wendy Dean, uh, Lula Fulgosa, whom I've known for years, and Leslie Chambers, and uh, Dr. Jennifer DeRocher, uh, right from University of Miami. And uh, we're talking about a very serious topic. Number one, it's children. Number two, it's autism. And uh, it's something when you mention that word, it, it, it you get a reaction. You know, no matter whom you're with, you're going to have a reaction, and it, and it affects lives, and, and it affects your most precious asset, which is your family. Uh, and it's something we want to talk about. So we're really happy to have Leslie Chambers, who happens to be the executive vice president of field operations and chapter development for Autism Speaks. And uh, Leslie, welcome to the show. Can you do me a favor? Give us a, the pricey definition of autism so people understand. They know the word. They may not be able to define it. Sure. Thanks, Rich. Um, well, autism is a, a terribly devastating neurological disorder at, that impairs really often severely the individual's ability to communicate, uh, to form relationships with others, and to relate 
to their surroundings. And uh, we are so pleased to have this opportunity to talk to your listeners about how this affects so many families in Miami and across the country. What are the numbers like? I mean, this how, how, how big statistic is it in terms of the U.S.? I was so surprised to find out that uh, 1.5 million are affected in the U.S., but more importantly, one in 150 children are affected with One autism. in a, that is pretty scary. And when you think about the number of lives that are impacted, because those are the children, but then the parents and the family members, the aunts and the uncles, so it affects so many people across this country. Um, uh, Dr. DeRocher, you're at the uh, University of Miami, and, and, and you're doing research into this. Yes, uh, UM is doing a lot of um, active research projects. We also have, luckily, a couple of Autism Speaks funded research projects, as well as a family and community services grant to outreach to um, non-English speaking families in the area in order to help them get a diagnosis and find out where to turn to. So uh, there's a clinic, there is a section, it's sort of like, I know Mark Soloway is a dear friend of mine mm -hmm. at uh, University of Miami right. Medical School, so he heads up the whole urology department. In terms of autism, University of Miami has a really significant mm -hmm. role to play. Can we talk about that role a little bit, please? Sure. University of Miami has a Center for Autism and Related Disabilities. We're one of seven funded sites in the state. We're actually funded by state funds through the Department of Education. Our site serves Miami-Dade County, Monroe County, and Broward County. We have over or just about 4,500 families registered with us at this point. Okay. I want to get back to you, Les, for a second. Um, autism speaks. The mission of Autism Speaks, and how does this modulate into what we just learned about? You work very closely with University of Miami. Right. All right, right. now how do you guys work together? Well, our mission is dedicated to four areas, and that's uh, awareness, so getting um, the community at large, the health profession, everybody to know about autism. Uh, research, um, which Dr. DeRocha has talked about, advocacy, and the deans have been very involved in advocacy, and family services, and that's the type of, of programs that we support that Dr. Rocha was talking about. When we're talking about advocacy, let's talk, let, I want to go back to that. Maybe the two of you can get involved, and maybe Lula wants to jump in as well. Or maybe, uh, well, you know, everybody can jump in on this one. Who's out there? Number one, where are you getting funding from? That's important. You can't do anything without money. Number two, who is, who's leading that fight? And what legislation is out there that can really do something to help the University of Miami help Autism Speaks, and it goes right back to Wendy and Brian having a child with autism. How does it ultimately trickle down and help them? So who wants to jump in on that? Who, who can talk about advocacy with me? You want to do it? Well, um, in, in terms of how we get that going, yep. we, we do that through a lot of the public awareness events and fundraising events, and we'll be talking about our walks. So that's the major area that we get a lot of support, recognition, and at the walks, we encourage people to sign up on our Autism Votes um, website to help us get this legislation passed. All right, just now that Le Leslie mentioned it, there's a walk now for autism. Uh, it's going to be Sunday, February 22nd, right here at Crandon Park on Key Biscayne. Doesn't get any more beautiful than Key Biscayne. What a great place to walk. And had the best coffee at the Oasis. So when you get done with it, you can go right over the Oasis. I know the old man's dead, but the sun's running it. And you get the best cup of coffee. I, had, I lived there for three years. Best place to be. So you need to go there, and it starts, uh, you register at 8.30, and it starts walking at 10 a.m. So everyone needs to do that. Now, I want to go back to this for a little bit. Who is out there? And is there any legislation on, on Government Hill? What are we doing to get money? Do you want to take that one, Wendy? Yeah. Hi. I first, I wanted to thank you for um, having us on your show. It's My very, pleasure. very nice of you to to raise awareness on this issue. But um, as far as I'm aware, um, Senator Chris Dodd had a bill last year. We don't know the bill number yet this year, but it's um, the Disability Savings Act, and it allows parents. It's like the section, um, the um, 
529 college funds. Gotcha. It's like that, but you allow it to say for your child with disabilities future. So, you know, they're not going to immediately go on the government dole someday. It's, you know, really in everybody's best interest to allow parents to be able to save for their children's future who they're not sure if they'll be able to provide for themselves at some point. Right. And that that's that's a scary thought. You know, that, that's something that, that you have to think about. Yeah. Now, let, let's just let's, let's say, let me set it up for a second. Wendy and Brian have an autistic child. Oscar. Uh, Oscar. You, know, you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, Oscar, Oscar Leland is six and a half years old, and um, he was diagnosed when, well, about at 18 months, we started to know something. He was bright, advanced even um, as a baby, you know, walked early, crawled early, talked early. And at about 18 months, he just was losing words as fast as he was gaining them. And then within a year, um, we had a lot of... Uh, testing done and realized that he was having seizure-like activity and and he just he just has kind of slowed down and um, not developed as fast. We've had him in therapy after therapy after therapy after therapy. There's so many different therapies that you can go through. There's not just one quick fix pill. It's hours upon hours upon hours of therapy and you make um, it's a lot of um, frustration for the families but you make a lot of wonderful friends in those waiting rooms I mean the network of moms in those waiting rooms I can't and parents in those waiting rooms um, it's amazing and we all share information and we you know rely hard, a lot on card and so there's a, there are support groups for this and yeah, I would imagine absolutely. support groups are very very important Brian let me ask you a question I've known you for many many years um, as a parent uh, internally, what do you do? How do you cope with this yourself? Because I know you're very busy. You travel. Uh, you've been in Washington. You're all over Latin America and the world working for the governor and for with, with the how do you deal with this well and it's interesting that you say that rich um, <clears throat> and thank you for inviting us onto your provocative show which usually has a good dose of humor and unfortunately we're bringing an issue that is, no, this is very sober but uh, but um, I do do a lot of traveling as a matter of fact <clears throat> I was in President Toledo then President Toledo of Peru's office uh, meeting with him in my previous job when I got a call from Wendy telling me that Oscar had been diagnosed within the autism spectrum uh, uh, the, the disorder spectrum and uh, Wendy was the one that really just picked up the mantles and and, uh -huh. and learned and educated herself I lived in a state of denial for quite some time thinking that this is wrong he's gonna wake up some morning <clears throat> he's going to be absolutely normal and uh, and we've come to the realization that all these um, this entirely holistic approach with diet and therapy and interaction is is the course to take and we applaud the people from Autism Speaks and the Card Center and the University of Miami for the wonderful work they're doing all right, let me go back to Leslie for a second and, and Jennifer. What are the myths of autism? There must be myths out there because people never know the truth in what's happening. So they have these stereotypical myths. And who wants to handle that? Jennifer Jennifer's going to handle that. Go yeah, ahead. so there, unfortunately there, there are a lot of myths about autism. Okay, let's um, get them out. Um, one myth that thankfully is dying is that parents have something to do with the cause of autism and that it's something in the the parents interaction style with the child that's causing the child to withdraw and and we've known since the 60s that's that 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 is completely untrue um, but it, it still I think takes a heavy toll on parents where they tend to blame themselves or feel guilty um, we also kind of have this old-school mentality of what autism should look like based on kind of what we knew autism looked like in the 1980s and I, and I like how um, Brian said that it was 
you know, a spectrum, and it is a spectrum disorder, meaning that, you know, many of these children can and do make friends. Many of these children can and do go to regular education classrooms. Many of the children do have a wonderful outcome. That's not to say that that's not without a toll on the family financially, um, emotionally, but that's another myth that prevails. Uh, go ahead, uh, Les. And, and one of the things that Autism Speaks has, has promoted in terms of the awareness is the early diagnosis because we do know that if we can get the diagnosis early, we can start some of these therapies and the outcome is much more positive. So it's critical that you get a diagnosis very, very early. Well, you know what I'm hearing? You, you use the word spectrum. That's a specific word. That means there's the range. Therefore, there are different colors of autism. And, and so I'm hearing that you could be mildly autistic or you could be severely autistic. And, and, and is there a way, have they learned this? Now, you've been doing research for, you just said they had myths going back to the 60s. Right. Is, it, how do you, can you control that to a degree? You can control it to a degree and, and, and with early intervention. Um, you know, the, the problem is that autism is such a spectrum that we don't yet know most of the causes of autism spectrum disorders and that it's likely there are multiple causes and so I think when people start talking about one therapeutic approach or one potential domain as a potential cause for autism we cloud the issue a little bit the spectrum is is broad in degree of severity from very mild to much more severe and so are likely the causes so I think that gets caught up in the myths as well Brian. I, Rich, I just want to make a point, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, uh, pay tribute to uh, Governor Christ and the state legislature for enacting some legislation that that uh, facilitates the provision of insurance to cover uh, autism spectrum-related uh, uh, disorders uh, um, uh, therapies. I can tell you that this is a this is a, an affliction that affects people from all socioeconomic levels, and treatment cutting-edge treatment is extremely expensive. I'm telling you, in our personal case, it was tens upon tens of thousands of dollars of uninsured medical costs per year. Now, I don't know the specifics of the legislation, but insurance companies are now required to pay up to $36,000 a year for in, uh, autism therapy and up to $200,000 uh, when the child turns 18. So that, that's Florida legislation. There's probably something similar to that in many states. It certainly helps families uh, and because autism can not only, is not just a something that devastates a family uh, uh, in, in, in terms of the, the affliction, it can also be economically and financially devastating. Well, now that you mentioned insurance, I want, to, I want to discuss that for a second since I just love those folks. You know, I do an insurance show on the weekend, but it has nothing to do with health. It's about home claims and how uh, all those wonderful, you know, you're in good hands? Sure. Um, <laughs> it's like, except the hands have Parkinson's and they're dropping you, so it, that's the reality of it. But um, in, in this case, uh, can ins are insurance companies obligated to take a group or take, uh, not even a group, a family, knowing that there's an autistic child, will they exclude that? Has, do they try and do that? Is it a battle to get insurance? Because that's a re legitimate concern. Um, um, I, we have not had that. Um, I know there's other people that have had that problem, but the, the big problem is is that um, the therapies, um, they're behavioral therapies that you just sit and it's intense teaching. They say, well, that's not that's not therapy, so it doesn't count. You don't need it, or you pay for that yourself. Who makes those decisions? The insurance companies. That's they will scary. Pay, pay like a half hour a week usually for, for speech therapy, and, and these kids need 40 hours a week. So um, it's not even 
40 yeah. hours a week of 40, speech therapy. Speech and ABA. Most kids go oh five days God. a week, and they get if it's recommended four or five days a week and 40 hours a week of therapy as a whole. So the ABA, they don't the behavioral therapies they don't cover at all, which is the majority of the costs. Uh, it, it, let me ask you in terms of education. Who wants to handle education for a second? Who wants to talk? You want to talk education? I can talk about education. Well, you're at a sure. university. Yeah. There you have it. Okay, so that, that's a good segue. Uh, can you, how do you educate these children? How do they learn so they learn? Mm -hmm. So it, that's individualized as well. Every child's educational needs are different. Um, for the most part, we do know that children in the spectrum, at least the vast majority of them, learn visually. Um, they learn from more intensive um, educational settings so many of our children aren't able to just learn in the traditional you know 28 person child classroom they need much smaller classrooms much higher ratios of teachers to children um, very individualized and intensive okay Yes, Leslie. And I just want to add that education is even broader than that. So one of the things that we do at Autism Speaks is to help educate both the school communities, um, uh, employers on how to work with uh, these families. And so I would encourage folks to go to our website at www.autismspeaks.org. Another interesting thing we have on our website is a video glossary that shows what the developmental stages should be and what it looks like with a child with autism. And it's very educational. So I would encourage folks to go to our website to learn more. Jennifer? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think, you know, there's educating the child, and then there's educating those who are going to educate and work with the child. And I think those are very complementary. I don't think one can exist without the other. And so CARD does a lot of teacher training as well. Um, and we go out into the classrooms and do in-service trainings for teachers on different strategies that might be more or less effective for a particular child. Mm -hmm. Lula, let me ask you a question. I want to get you in here right now. Uh, uh, Lula Fulgosa. Lula, of course, is the executive director for the Miami-Dade chapter of Autism Speaks. Tell me some of the programs you've got going on. In Miami-Dade County, we have, um, right now, we have the, like Leslie said, some information and education for the school teachers, for anybody that is, comes in contact with an autistic child or is in the spectrum. We support the CARD Center and other institutions. And, and those are the programs we have right now in Dade County. Do you have a, uh, do you do and deal with corporations in the county for funding and sponsorship and things like that? Well, that's why like I'm that? here. That's why I came here. I to knew that. That, that was the reason of the question. Right, <laughs> <laughs> That was your opening. Right. I'm here to promote that. I, it's a responsibility of the community and the corporations to support Autism Speaks in the research because it's so important. It's affecting your employees, the lives of all these families and your employers. So I'm here to promote this walk. Last year, Miami uh, raised over $550,000, and over 10,000 people came out in Key Biscayne to support our program. And this year, on Sunday, February 22nd, we hope and we wish and we're asking the corporations and the individuals in Miami to support us, volunteering, fundraising, or just come out for the awareness and uh, enjoy the day, the morning with us. The program starts at 8.30. We have a huge resource fair where families can find out what's going on, what are the support groups out there, and the walk will start at 10 a.m. Jen. Yes. 
So CARD will be at the walk. And so if you do have even concerns about autism or questions about resources here in Miami-Dade, um, certainly feel free to stop by the CARD table. We'll have our staff there and be able to help families as well um, because we, we do see partnering with Autism Speaks as, as vital. In terms of the the community, uh, do you have do you have like an annual event? Do you have uh, tell me some of the other events that you have well, other right, than the walk, well, which right we all know. Wait a minute, say it again. Sunday, February twenty second, Crandon Park, Evis Game. Be there at eight thirty, and then go for a walk at ten. Talk. Well, right now our only program is the walk. Okay. But in two thousand and nine, we will come up with other programs. That's why I'm here. Good. Well, we want now. Where can they reach you? Because people need to get involved in this. Tell us. Well, uh, they can reach us on our one eight hundred number. 1-800-610-6227 or at www.walknowforautism.org slash Miami. All right. And you need to do that. Now, I want, let's go back to Brian and Wendy for a second. Brian, parents, uh, what do you want to say to the folks out there uh, who are just discovering that? I mean, 1 in 150 is a lot of people. That's a lot of humanity. What do you say to them as, as parents dealing with this every day and for the rest of your life? Let me hand that off to Wendy. Um, at, at, at first, um, it is daunting, and you don't know where to turn. At first, I, me personally, I felt very alone, like no one could ever understand this, or um, and I, I had it all on my shoulders. But and since I've really started to reach out um, to, if if I lived in Miami at the time, we lived in Virginia, but if I lived in Miami, I would have called the card office. There's other moms there and if you contact other moms I'm telling you that's the quickest way to learn and to to get over this problem I mean anybody who's ever had a toddler in a mom's group knows that that's where the information is so um, I would just reach out to your neighbors and, and and introduce yourself to your neighbors if your child gets out these kids flee a lot you know introduce yourself to your neighbors encourage your neighbors to talk to your child don't ignore them that's the last thing they need they need more people to bother them to talk and to and to wait for them to talk and to interact with more people Brian, and then I have a question for you. It's I would, be a naive and question. I would just add, and it's going back to the original uh, and earlier question that relates to uh, that relates to false images of, of people with autism. I would tell parents that you know autistic children generally are or children within the spectrum are generally not children that fit the stereotype of the of the. The the, blunt, the 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 kid that stares off into space or spins a plate for hours and hours a day. Our little Oscar is six years old. He is a happy, fun, nutty. loving. He's he's nutty as a as a fruitcake, <laughs> but he is the one of the most wonderful, happy, humorous, deliberate. He has a sense of humor and a community and a way of communicating that is just delightful. And and you know to dispel some of these false images of of, of autism. And of course, going back to what what, what the doctor said earlier and others. Anything that demonstrates a, a, a retrogression or a, 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 a any backward movement in the development of the of motor skills and speaking skills. What, what would be an example? What do you mean by a backward movement? Let's say they start losing words. Okay. They and can't formulate let words. Me, let me let. Let me look okay. somebody who's an expert. All right, Jennifer. Yeah, so any regression, so any loss of gesture use, waving bye-bye, um, pointing, showing, making eye contact, any loss of those skills once they've developed or any failure to develop them at the age-appropriate time, which is about between 15 and 18 months, those skills should be there. Um, any loss of words, mama, dad, dad, child who's speaking 10 words and then loses them and stops talking, or is not speaking at all by 15 to 18 months, that should be a red flag, immediate referral for evaluation. And, and, and jump in whole hog on this. I mean, I, I know I had a child with ADHD, and I had to deal with it at age 7, 
but I dealt with it, and we worked at it, and it was a, a very concerted effort, and, and it was important. Yes. Direct, the director of CAR, Dr. Alessandri, couldn't be here today because he had a family problem. Next time. Next time, and he told us when we came here in our meeting, the first thing he said is, hit him young, hit him hard. If you have any doubts, it's not going to hurt to have a little extra therapy. What's going to hurt is if you don't. Hit him young, hit him hard. And um, it's just the, the phrase that has stuck with me, and every time I'm, I'm, oh, I can't get up again and, you know, do another hour of therapy right now or drag him to this, um, we just keep pushing through and, and hoping that that's going to pay off in the long run. I mean, his life is a lot longer um, than that one hour of, of therapy. So. Okay. Now, here you have it. Uh, remember, February 22nd, Sunday, Crandon Park, right on Key Biscayne. So it's just a beautiful, beautiful, and it's a great time of the year. My God, the weather's going to be great. We have the walk now for autism. Get there at 8.30. Start walking at 10 o'clock. I want to thank uh, Leslie Chambers from Autism Speaks. I want to thank Lula Folgosa from Autism Speaks. I want to thank Dr. DeRocher, University of Miami. And I want to thank my dear friend Brian and, and Wendy, uh, Dean, for coming on the show today and talking about this. And we're going to get back on this and, uh, and make a case for, uh, for dealing with it. One in 150 can affect you. I want you to know that out there. Just think about that if you're on I-95 right now. So you want to know about this. I want to thank everybody for being on the show today, and especially uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Um, I'm really happy she was here today. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Have a wonderful evening. Drive carefully. Remember, no buffet today on I-95. We'll be see you next time. We'll be back next week. I'm new wave, but I'm old school, and my inner child is outward bound. I'm a hot-wired, heat-seeking, warm-hearted, cool customer, voice-activated and biodegradable. For more of the good, the bad. I interface with my database, my database is in cyberspace. The business. So I'm interactive, I'm hyperactive, and from time to time, I'm radioactive. This is the Rich Rothman Show, 880 AM, The Biz. It might be as simple as a water heater that bursts and floods your home. It could be as devastating as a fire that destroys your home. Either way, you need someone to represent you to make sure you get the maximum compensation from your insurance company. You need someone who knows how to prepare claims accurately. You need someone who can help you get a prompt and equitable settlement. You need East Coast Public Adjusters, one of the largest and most dependable firms in the insurance industry. East Coast Public Adjusters will be there for you every step of the way. From the initial evaluation and throughout the preparation of your claim. Sometimes people settle claims with their insurance company only to realize they're entitled to much more. East Coast Public Adjusters will help you reopen your claim and try to get you the money you need. If you've suffered damage to your home from flood, fire, lightning, wind or smoke damage, or even theft, you need East Coast Public Adjusters. Call East Coast Public Adjusters today. 305-441-0882. 305-441-0882. Or on the web at eastcoastadjusters.com. The Port of Miami is the second largest economic engine in our community, providing an annual economic base of over $16 billion and over 100,000 jobs. These are high-paying in-demand jobs, very much coveted by other cities and ports throughout the Americas. We're fortunate to have this business. And of that $16 billion, international trade and cargo at the port accounts for over $13 billion per year, a significant fact, as well as a significant economic impact for all of us, the Port of Miami, working to enhance and contribute to the economic success of our country, further reinforcing Miami and South Florida as the gateway to the Americas.